What's going on today? Welcome back to the third episode of the Cox Talks podcast. I am, of course, your host, Trevor Cox. Once again, want to take the quick opportunity to thank all you listeners out there. Uh, lots of feedback, lots of good listens, uh, hearing lots of good things about the podcast. So for episode three, yeah, hey, we're getting into it. I've got my first guest on the air today. I was able to catch up with my good buddy, Roland McFadden, Rodeo Cowboy extraordinaire from Alberta, Canada. And for those of you that don't know, uh, I grew up in Ontario, as I said on the very first episode, but I lived actually lived in Alberta for a quick eight years. Uh, had a nice little reign of terror out there, as some people like to call it. And Roly was just happened to be one of the guys I met that was around my age that uh, I ended up being real good buddies with, hanging out down at the McFadden Ranch, also known as Rancho Relaxo. Uh, you know what? It's great family, great people. They took me in on holidays and stuff that I was around for. And you know what? If I needed a, a good free meal and some loaf of fucking banana bread and maybe some peach jam, his wonderful mother, Lori, who doesn't get treated well enough as far as I'm concerned, was always there to uh, put some food in my belly and send me home with a little care package. So much love for the McFadden family. As far as Roly goes, I met him at the hockey arena. Uh, we played a lot of hockey together. We coached a lot of hockey together. And I used to follow him around Alberta a little bit like a fucking... Like a fucking roadie, uh, watching him rodeo and just hanging out with him and stuff like that. Now, Rolly's actually a little bit of a fucking piece of shit human being. He led me down a lot of bad path pathways. He's the reason I may or may not have the reputation I do out in Alberta. I was, you know, a good, clean, wholesome boy till I moved out there and got tangled up with Rolly. So, uh, yeah, long story short, very good friend of mine, very good at what he does in the rodeo world. So, yeah, listen, we were able to catch up with Rolly via Zoom, and Rolly's going to be a recurring guest on the show, so get used to him, whether you fucking like it or not. Uh, he's got a lot of good insight on a lot of dumb shit, so... um but hey, this is something. This is something he's really good at, and this is something he knows. And with most of my listeners being from the greater Ontario region, uh, I feel like a lot of you don't know anything about rodeo. And I thought this might be something that piques your interest. So I tracked Rolly down. We had a nice little chin wag over Zoom, and uh, I hope you enjoy the interview. The first ever guest on the Cox Talks podcast, Roland McFadden. So we're here on the Cox Talks podcast with Roland McFadden, Alberta's finest rodeo cowboy extraordinaire. Roly, how the fuck are you? I'm doing good, Coxie. How the hell are you? I'm good. It's been a been a long time since we sat down for a chin wag. Yeah, I would be careful on finest too. That uh, let's let's not start it off with complete lies. Depends what your definition of fine is, I guess, right? Well, and that's that could be interpreted interpreted either way. We go here. So. Absolutely. So to the listeners out there, I kind of gave you a brief introduction. This is uh, this is my good old buddy, Rolly McFadden. Met him back when I was living out in Alberta. He is a team roper, a former Canadian champion team roper, and uh, he's here to talk rodeo with us today. So Rolly, tell us about, okay, people in Ontario, they don't know much about not necessarily the rodeo lifestyle, but how rodeo fits into the Canadian West, Western Canadian culture. So yeah, um, First of all, thanks for having me on the Cox Talks. Uh, big fan, long-time listener. Basic <laughs> rodeo is a big part of uh, Western life out here in, in Western Canada. I know it's uh, it's part of Eastern Canada as well, but uh, huge part of you know the summer kind of run out here, right? Um, everything kind of revolves around every small town's rodeo and fair, and there's usually a ball tournament on with it, right? You know from your days of terror out west (laughs) yeah Yeah, i do (laughs) heavily centered in alberta probably at the professional levels and connotations um there's probably 40 rodeos in alberta Uh, they stretch from british columbia to saskatchewan and into manitoba the uh, circuit is uh pretty much in alberta so it's a big part of the western way of life out here still a huge driver of tourism and small town feel and and whatnot out west what's the youngest age a child can start rodeoing oh man like it's changed a lot from even when i was a kid like you you kind of your first jump was high school rodeo right you're grade 10 you know 14 15 years old you kind of got that was your first chance to get into the sport really 
And uh, now there, uh, there's so many different levels of rodeo. Like these kids are going to, they call them small spur rodeos out here. Like they're, they're like six years old and going to events, right? Uh, I think you can start amateur rodeo in, in, the, in the rough stock, like your bull riding and, and saddle broke riding and bareback. I believe you got to be 16. Um, in, the, in the timed events, steer wrestling, calf rope and team rope and barrel racing, you can you or your parents got the dough and the and the uh, ability to to drive down the road. You can get entered as young as you want. Professionally in the rough stock, you got to be 18 years old. Timed events, you can. I think you got to be. Four, I think. Well, I think you can. I think it's like I want to say 14, but I think there was a young gal made the CFR in the barrel race, and I think she was 12. Cool. A couple of years ago. Imagine so, that, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Be a, be a rough life for a 12 year old. Yeah. No kidding. So you started roping. Uh, in 2006. Oh, three. Oh, three. Okay. I started roping. Yeah. You started roping in 2003. You started competitively at 16. Now you were born into yeah. a rodeo family, the, the son of the rock, the baby rocket, you know, the son of the rocket, your, your old son man, the rocket. your old man, Rod McFadden, better known as the rocket. Were you, I know some families out here and I'll just use hockey as an example. If your dad plays hockey, chances are he's going to jam a stick in your hands, whether you like it or not. And you're going to learn how to play hockey was roping something you wanted to try on your own after watching your dad and, and uh, Jim Randall and those guys rope, or was it something you were like, you know what? I actually legit want to try it out. So, I mean, my dad, yeah, we're, I'm born on a farm, right? Horses, uh, bread cows, operation, some grain. And yeah, my dad, you know, roped growing up, uh, you know, he roped, he didn't get, they had horses their whole lives, born on a ranch, right? And uh, he kind of got into roping in his late 20s. And so I kind of grew up as a, as a young lad with uh, him, him roping and guys like JR, Jim Randall running around. And if you know who he is, then you know, um, if you know, you know. So yeah, I always saw those guys around and always wanted to do it, had a rope in my hand and riding a horse at a young age. Kind of a, another Western uh, tale is my dad went to work in the oil patch and was gone quite a bit. So we didn't really do the roping thing from when I was like 10 years old for those years. So what else do you do when you're on the prairies? You play hockey, you play baseball and other sports. So when my old man kind of got back more around the farm when I was 16, I was like, you know, I think I want to do this. You know, I want to, I want to put a little more time into this, right? That's kind of how I, that's why I got started competitively around 16 was just, I, I had the interest and it was here. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, my first event, I'm like, wait, I can come here and like people just openly drink beer and uh, <laughs> seems to be, seems to be some, some, some young women running around. Boy, this is a honey hole. I got to stick this out. So did you start with the high school rodeo or did you go like right on the pro circuit? No, I, yeah, I started high school rodeoing. That's the first like rodeo I went to. Uh, I went to, uh, yeah, I was 16 years old, went to Oak, uh, McGrath or Okotoks. I don't know, some shithole down in Alberta where they have rodeo. And um, yeah, I started going, did that for my high school years, did a couple years of amateur rodeo and college rodeo. And then uh, I bought my pro card in 2008 pretty uh quick trajectory from uh starting out to buying your pro card in, inside of five years the patty cane of roping basically is what you oh, were I, I was a phenom i was a phenom yeah don't kid yourself yeah. yeah you're pretty phenomenal all right that's something ontario people may not understand and the reason i say ontario people is because that's where i'm broadcasting from but you know here we have a football team a track team a golf team mm -hmm. out there your high schools you have rodeo teams i mean I'll tell you what, wouldn't it have taken uh, much twisting of my rubber arm to join a rodeo team and, you know, get out on the road and like you say, you know, maybe have a couple underage beverages, you know, chase the, chase the old tail around there. Like as a high school oh, kid, that, that, that's gotta be a good time. Oh, like it was, that's what really like got me hooked. I can remember it. I was starting in, I was 17 years old. At, this wasn't McGrath High School Rodeo. Yeah, like we had, we never had football teams. Like we had a rugby team, uh, basketball, volleyball. But like, yeah, no, high school sports aren't really a big thing out here. But there was a rodeo team, right? So you can get on, you know, and if say I'm, I went to high school in Bulk, and like I was kind of on the Claire's home rodeo team, which is like 45 minutes away from where I'm from, an hour south of Calgary. So I know out east, you know, unless you're probably from Orangeville. 
you're <laughs> probably not going to be on a, on a rodeo team maybe, from Oxbridge. Maybe Hensel. You might be on a rodeo <laughs> team if you're from Hensel. From Hensel, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah heard of great things about that. Heard it's a, yeah, it's a gash of a time. Well, another thing, Pete, to elaborate on that, people probably aren't aware that you can get rodeo scholarships too. Did you have any offers yeah. to go down south to the States? Like, I know a lot of your roping buddies did, like the Simpson brothers and some of those guys. Yeah. Did you have any offers to go south? So I did. Uh, they weren't anything really to, to write home about because I got such a late start. I really didn't have that many accolades coming out of high school. I really didn't start to get competitively really good till my grade 12 year. That's when I really started to have a lot of success at amateur rodeos and at the high school level. So I didn't have any great offers, but inside Alberta High School Rodeo, there's an opportunity to get scholarships at Canadian schools. So I took my scholarship money and got a bit of scholarship money actually from SAIT in Calgary, uh, Southern Alberta Institute of Technology. So it's a tech school. So I, I took the, and it's close to home, right? Calgary's an hour from where I grew up. Good so, ladies hockey team there too. Incredible. Yeah. Just chucking sauce all over the ice, <laughs> those gals. But I remember like, yeah, kind of seeing the opportunity in it away from hockey, away from other sports. And just like how kind of a rodeo <laughs> lifestyle. I remember I was 17 years old at McGrath High School Rodeo. I was uh, supposed to stay at a family friend's place. And I kind of had known some people for a year. And uh, Chase Simpson was one of them. It was a mutual friend from out here. And him and another guy, uh, Harley Cole. These, these are names out here who are synonymous in rodeo. And uh, they're like, we're staying at a buddy's. Like, hey, we're staying at this guy's place. His parents are gone. You want to, he's having a party. Like, oh, yeah. Here yeah. we go. Like, here we oh, go. Yeah, I'm going. So we're 17. We load up in my truck in McGrath's a Mormon town. So you can't find any booze. So we cruise into Lethbridge and uh, we pull up to the beer store. We buy three 15 packs of Rainier. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're high we octane. Oh, boy. She's high to shit. It's about a 30 minute drive going the speed limit from McGrath to Lethbridge. We're all 17. We bail in my truck driving home. And me and Harley, this as we get to the party and we drive fifteen beer, like <laughs> I'm like, this is incredible. Like I need to get in on this. And we go in this house party. Yeah, like there's like there's bras flying across the room, and it's this, it's a free for all. And I'm like, yeah, I need to stick with this. I think I think this is somewhere I can succeed. I think this yeah. is it. Yeah, sounds sounds terrible for a 17 year old. Sounds terrible. <laughs> So something we've kind of something we've kind of skipped over that we should actually probably discuss. You are a team roper. Mm -hmm. Explain team roping to the listeners out there. What is it? Yeah, so I'm a team roper. Uh, team roping is a, a team event within rodeo. Um, it's kind of the oldest way of ranching. When you had a, you know, you have cows out in a pasture and you got to treat one, and you got somebody with with you. It's easier for one guy to rope the head of the animal around the neck. And he kind of just leads the animal off. And then the other guy roped the back feet. And then you would stretch the animal and doctor it, let it. And, you know, the guy that roped the back feet would hold on to him. You'd take the, the rope off the head and let the animal go. So team roping is that in, inside the arena. Much the same as, as uh, bulldogging. You got a guy on each side of the chute. Uh, the guy who's going to rope the head of the animal, he uh, calls for the steer to be released. He runs up catches the head turn leads the steer off to the left and the other the healer will come in and rope the back two feet if your goal is to rope the back two feet if you only rope one it's plus five seconds and and uh, so that's basically the team roping for for dummies a lot more difficult up than up, it sounds <laughs> yeah it's pretty easy right it's like calf roping yeah you just catch them around the neck run down there flank them and tie them and that's oh yeah there's really nothing to it so, there's nothing to it no, yeah nothing to it so uh, yeah so I went ahead first. I tried every event. Yeah, I just seemed to be better at this one. And uh, I didn't seem to get hurt as much. So I'm just stuck with it. Yeah, I guess so. So back to back to the rodeo tour. So you did your high school gig, spent a little time dabbling with the, the college rodeo. What year was it that you went, that you joined the, joined the pro circuit? So I was amateur. I was still going to the amateur rodeo. So that would be like, so I was in like the always hungry league of the uh of the rodeo circuit like the ahl in canada i was starting to get a lot of starting to have a lot of success so in 2008 we bought our you have to like it's called your permit you buy you have to buy your permit at the professional rodeo level and you can only become a full card member once you win two thousand dollars 
it's important to become a full card member because you can't get into a lot of the big time rodeos unless you have a full member. So in 2008, I, uh, I bought my card and filled it that year and had my full card. So then the next year in 09, I could go to everything. And that's where I put my focus on. So got my first, got my toe in the water there in 2008. And then 2009 season went uh, exclusively to the pro rodeos. Right on. So when I moved, I moved to Alberta in 2007. (laughs) And I mean, the only exposure to rodeo that I'd had was the Calgary stampede on CBC with Ron McLean. Yeah. So I moved to High River first. And so your rodeos, you know, they take place all over kind of, I call it small town, Alberta, Strathmore, High River, Hannah, so on and so forth. Right. My first experience mm-hmm. at the rodeo was I went to the High River rodeo with my buddy. Uh, his name was Sammy, weapon of a human being. We didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. Right. So we stuck around. We watched the rodeo. I didn't know anybody at the rodeo. That's fine. We were, we were two uh, new Alberta transplants. We went to the cabaret and oh, I fell in love with rodeo at the cabaret because like you said, it was just full of booze, cowboys and buckle bunnies. And uh, I remember I'm, I'm standing and I'm hanging out with, with Sammy and there's like a fist fight out on the dance floor. And there's two other people just making out on the other side of the dance floor. And then I look around and Sammy's gone and he's walking out the door handcuffed. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So he had gone over and at the high river rodeo, they used to just pour out all the booze in the glasses. Right. So you get your shot of booze, (laughs) but they'd line up the whole table with, with shots of whiskey or vodka or rum or whatever. And you went up and you gave him your ticket and you went over and they gave you. So Sammy's just standing at the table, hammering back all this fucking booze for free. And they cuffed him and dragged him out of there. So I spent the rest of the night at the high river rodeo cabaret alone. And uh, that was, but that was my introduction. I went to the, that first high river rodeo. I'm like, okay, I got to meet some fucking cowboys here. I got to start hanging. Cause this is a good time. I can see how easily it is as a fan to fall in love with it. I could just imagine the rodeo lifestyle. Like, you compare it, everybody says the best part of playing hockey is riding the buses. You guys go mm-hmm. on some pretty long road trips, and I could just imagine oh. what happens on those road trips. Talk to us about a rodeo road trip. Oh, man. And just to touch on you, High River Rodeo Cabaret, your first one. Like, fuck, that's like, <laughs> yeah, like that'd be like your first drug being cocaine, I'd imagine. Like, there'd be no, you're hooked. It- like, it was wild. And and you know what's funny too is is a lot of the people that I saw there, I didn't know who they were at the time, but I would guess the majority of the people there that were having a time were all the guys that I ended up hanging out with later on in my Alberta residency. Yeah. You know, the Hubbard brothers, the Weeks boys were probably all there just yeah. fucking full steam ahead, eh? <laughs> The D man just oh, yeah. slamming vodkas for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was, it was an eye opener, even for me looking to get crushed and, and looking for tail and in no particular order, just <laughs> however it comes. And if yeah. a fight comes in the middle, great. Let's get that out of the way. Like cabarets, you guys out East know, like you got your, you got your buck and does and your Jack and Jill's and these cabarets. I mean, they're Americans don't get cabarets. They're like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, it's a cab, right? You go to the cab every rodeo had a cab and you soon realize where the real good ones are. So when you're young and uh, you know, winning is more of like a side note, um, getting where to go and, and getting the best run to win the most money at the, at the biggest rodeos. It's like, no, you entered for the best parties. So my first couple of years on the trail, I, par- I traveled with three other guys who had the same mindset as me. It's like, well, we got to be in High River Saturday night because that's the best party. <laughs> the next weekend, you know, we got to be in Airdrie on Saturday night and we got to be in Pinocchio on Friday. And like, it all kind of stemmed around which function was the best. Yeah, you're basically four guys who are buddies in a rig driving. God, these rodeos are anywhere from four to 14 hours away from each other. You just bail in the rig and have a couple beers and uh, cruise down the road and hopefully stay that night and uh, see how floor looking drunk you can get and then still manage to uh, get up in the morning and uh, get to the next one. Right. It's yeah. That one gets you big time. There was a couple necessities when you got in the truck and you had to have a, you had to have a bunch of beer. You wanted to get in the truck first. Uh, you didn't want to be the last guy in the truck because then you had to drive and you couldn't, uh, you couldn't get in on the action. So. I only ever went on one rodeo tour. I went with Brady Davies, Stacy Cornett, 
and Chase Simpson. I mean, don't get me wrong. I saw the potential and what, you know, what could have happened. It wasn't kind of what I thought it was. It wasn't all it was. I thought it was cracked up to be, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I was probably with the wrong crowd, but I always wanted to get yeah. out. I always wanted to get in a truck with like you and Clark, the shark McCarroll, who ended up being your partner for a bit. And you know, well, yeah. there's, there's the list could go on and on, but it sounds like you guys always had a time. There was always a story. What's a good road story. You got a, you got a real humdinger of a road story for us. So this is a pretty good one. When I first started, this is my first full year on the trail and we're, we're traveling with an old veteran, not even old. He's at what, well, Christ, he's what we are now back then, 13 years ago. I was with Dale Scottipal, Clay White, and the one uh, Clark, the shark, McCarroll. And uh, we're meeting Dale um, at Clark's place in uh, Camrose. We're headed out for like two weeks. I'm riding this horse of Dale's because mine was hurt. Well, Dale at the rodeo earlier that day decided he couldn't leave the beer stand because it was 30 degrees out and he was having such a great time. Why would you ever leave? So we, anyways, we get him on the phone. Dale, come on, we got to get, so he gets, gets 40 minutes down the road and gets the clerks and meet us. And we'll, we were about an hour behind him. Well, he decides it's a good idea to shoe, put shoe, new shoes on his horse, his good head horse after he's had about six or eight Bud Lights, which is not a good idea. And uh, <laughs> so he ends up, a lack of the term, he ends up kind of crippling this horse that we have to ride for the next three weeks. We're like, holy shit, Dale, like talk about bad timing. Anyways, we kind of get it patched up. Uh, horses, w- w- whatever. We got no choice. We'll load them up and get in the rig. So me and Clark pull over at the nearest liquor store and let the other guy, Clay, drive. And I'm kind of just like choked at this point. I'm like, what a fucking idiot. But I'm riding this horse. What can I do? So me and Clark proceed to just get shit-faced on the nine-hour drive from up to Dawson Creek, British Columbia, because we're up there the next afternoon. You're having a time. Yeah, we had a big semi. Like we had a TV in there. We had the tunes going, a couple bunks, beer fridge. Like we're living the dream. So we're all having a time drinking. Clay, poor bastard, had to drive the whole way up there and listen to us telling ridiculous stories. Well, I ended up getting so drunk that I pass out in the top of the bunk. I don't know, somewhere south of Grand Prairie, which is about an hour and a half from uh, Dawson Creek. So we get to Dawson Creek and like, there's, I feel something just like grinding at my leg. Like, and I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck is going on? Like, like what is happening? Like I'm figure I'm done for the night. And it's this girl that I had been kind of, you know, you know, we've been following each other around the trail, right? Dales and Clark got her up there dry humping my leg trying to wake me up we've been parked for 45 <laughs> minutes poor girl's probably just just denim rash just raw <laughs> i finally freaking come to and woke <laughs> i finally woke up yeah it's about one in the morning so why not let's saddle up and just get drinking again and and uh needless to say we had quite a large time with the mm-hmm. with that crew that night <laughs> i can only imagine so you guys go around to all these rodeos you travel basically Western Canada, so to speak, countless hours in a truck, countless amount of Bud Lights. So you could travel from, say, Strathmore to Abbotsford, actually. And I know that those rodeos used to be on the same weekend. Same time. But yeah. that's like a, that was, don't get, was that like a four, 12 or 14 hour ride or drive? Pardon 14, me. 14 hours straight through. So you go out there, you go all the way out to Abbotsford for one performance. And let's say you rope a five, nine, let's say you rope the steer in yeah. five, nine. So you've drove 12 hours for six seconds or less of work yeah. on a good night on a good night, all for a belt buckle. Yeah. All for like hope and win like 1800 bucks. And uh, like that, what that doesn't some stories. I, <laughs> I know the winnings count like at the end of the year, does yeah. $1,800 would barely pay for the, well, I guess it would, would pay for maybe half the fuel to get to Abbotsford. From yeah, Strathmore. If you won. If, if you yeah. won no, correct. If you win, that's that's a it's, great point. Yeah. It does not you, make a lick of sense. <laughs> so, like, I'm not gonna go through the list of all your uh, winnings that your mom sent me because we'll fucking be here all night. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. But like, what are some of the coolest things? Like, you guys win buckles, you win saddles. If you win the big one, you know, trucks. One of my favorites that you won one time was. Uh, you know, the lifetime supply of drinks at Ranchman's for all your friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really milked that one. Really milked <laughs> that one. You know, what is there something that you've won that you've been like, now this is pretty sweet. 
and you've like yeah. you've hung on to it like what what's the greatest thing you've ever won i guess oh man i i mean like my canadian winning canada being a canadian champion uh that buckle that you get a saddle a buckle uh saddles in my house uh buckle i i don't wear it often but i yeah it's something you kind of cherish it's getting getting to the top because as much fun it is it is a grind and you got to make it as fun as you can or else like it's like why the heck would you do it right like it's it's got to be fun so you got to be with a group of guys that want to have fun and be positive that's a lot of hours in the truck so the culmination of the years and and kind of getting to the top so to speak those are that's that's ones that i'll just keep forever you know the the individual smaller rodeos you know they're cool and and you know definitely uh you know qualifying for rodeo houston down in houston texas and and getting all the way there tournament style bracket all the way to the end didn't have any luck in in the final 10 round but to get that far and they pay you pretty good to get that far that was something where i was like holy shit like this is pretty cool you've basically got to have fun with a bunch of your buddies and you got to that stage and had a chance to win a hundred grand like i'd have never thought that when i started you know it was pretty yeah. cool so let's talk about that so so every okay so the nfl's got the super bowl nhl has the stanley cup Rodeo Canada has the Canadian finals rodeo and you were a nine time qualifier. And again, yes, you, uh, 2015 Canadian champion talk about the CFR. Oh man. Yeah. This, so you, you do all these stupid drives so that you can, you know, win it, we call it money, but it's really just points, uh, to qualify for the CFR. They take the top 12 in every event and there's like a hundred guys and girls entered in every event. So it's a hard road to get there, right? Like it's, it ain't no day in the shade. So, the CFR is everything. It pays uh, pays eleven thousand bucks a man per round per night for six nights, and in Edmonton, Alberta, in Rexall Place. So I've I've been in I've is, been there. I've been there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The raft. It's pretty cool as a hockey guy to look up and see those all those banners. It's like I hate the fucking Oilers, but you gotta respect, right? Respect. But yeah, to be there, it's and I mean it's the funnest time. It's the biggest stage, you know, like you it's a big deal in Canada to make the CFR. It's our big deal in rodeo up here. So to be there and, and compete on the big stage, it's, it's pretty cool. There's no question. It's the coolest part of the whole thing. If I never made it there, I, I would have quit a long time ago. So it's a four day, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five days, two perfs two, on Saturday, two perfs on Saturday. Okay. you Edmonton is a fucking shithole. Let's not, let's it's a call dump. A, let's, it is let's, such a shithole. Let's call a spade a shovel here. But like you said, it's so much fun. You're, you know, you're in the hotel with the boys. All you're doing is how do you stay focused on the task at hand? Especially a guy like you who used to run around with a little bit of a fan club and entourage, so to speak. How do you stay focused? How do you stay focused through that? shit? I look back at the first couple of years I made it and it's like, no fucking wonder you didn't win much. Like it was all about how can I get, like, where am I going? What bar is serving contestants free liquor tonight? Um, what's got the best crowd? And did not matter, like, out till three in the morning, get up, feed your horse. Like, to win a lot, it takes a lot of uh, self-control. I started to, your first couple of years, you're young. Like, I was 23 years old, my first one. And, like, I was just so happy to be there. And, like, I was at the bar every night crushing drinks with a crew of guys <laughs> having the time of your life right chasing them off around yeah hard really hard to stay focused but i mean you know you get older and you go there and you still like frick, you want to be there with your all your like you you and frick and henry would come up and all our buddies <laughs> you want to have a few beers right enjoy yourself but you you get you get a little older and you realize if you really want to win and, and want to win it all you can have a few pops down with the fellas at the bar at in Rexall there but then you probably need to get your ass back to the room and uh maybe lay low there you know well, get to bed before one in the morning so you can get I, up and take care of your horse so I mean I don't think I don't want to say I'm a distraction but I don't think it was a coincidence no, no, that you're, you're you an won your enabler you won your first Canadian championship the first year I wasn't in attendance like I had moved back here yeah. to Ontario and oh, what do you know? Rolly goes and wins the fucking CFR. As as part of your fan club, you mentioned Matt Henry. Matt Henry and I used to look forward to the CFR maybe more than you did. 
man, I would cringe when I knew what night you guys were coming up because I knew it was just going to be a fucking train wreck. Like, so, <laughs> but that, man, that was the best part of it is having your buddies come up and freaking and be a part of it, right? I mean, that's the best is the, that made it the best when you're, when all your friends and family came up. But so it's hard to, it's hard to lock it down, especially a guy like me. I don't need my arm twisted very hard to <laughs> go and have a couple more, couple more beers. So, uh, well, I remember the one, the one year we were up there and I think we got up there on the Friday night and, uh, you know, we went out. I don't think we made the Friday night show. We got up there late, but we might've come over for beers after, and we went out for dinner or something after that. But the next day we were there, Matt Henry and I were there and, um, some of the boys from Nanton and we decided, yeah. well, Hey, like it's the Saturday afternoon performance, the lower bowl Saturday night. No, no, it was a Saturday afternoon one. This one I'm was talking it? about. Uh, okay. And, uh, cause the lower bowl was, I mean, we could have sat down there, but for three bucks, we could have sat up with our backs against the wall in the very top row, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But we really, we really got a little bit carried away at lunchtime and we were pounding back the beers. And I remember they announced your name and you were roping with Rocky and you guys yeah. came out and you back in the box and we're just losing our minds up. We're the only ones up there. We're the only guys there's, I don't know. What is there? 17, 18,000 seats in the Northlands, probably 9,000 yeah. seats in the upper bowl. And there's four guys up there. It's us. And we're losing <laughs> our mind, losing our mind. And we can oh, actually man. see you kind of chuckling down in the box. And then you see, just Rocky looks over to you and you guys have an exchange and then you go in your rope and you know, you come back and the rodeo is over <laughs> I'm like, hey, Broly, what like what Rocky say to you in the box there? You know, motivation. And you're like, no, he could hear you guys screaming up there like losers. He's like, oh yeah, I got some fans up there, eh, Rolly? And then you guys went out and roped like a six-two or something. And th that was the thing too. Like you just go up there for a week and just watch you do some roping. And uh, yep. we would just get crushed for the week. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, that was a classic. That was so yeah, the, the guy I was roping with for context, he was like the man. He was the guy in Canada. He'd won more than anybody else. Um, Olympic gold medalist, like when they had rodeo in Salt Lake City Olympics, like he had quite a resume. And uh he was ice cold. This guy was a he was a winner, still is. But um, anyways, yeah, we're riding in the box, like I'm trying to focus. And there's probably 12,000 people there. Like it's not full Saturday afternoon, but it's pretty full. It's not like Saturday night. And we're riding in the box and I just hear these fucking knuckleheads screaming up top, <laughs> like just giving her. And I kind of, I kind of got it. And we hadn't won much that year up to that point. It was round four, right? We hadn't won really much. We're looking, we're a bit pissed off. And we kicked ass all year. And I kind of look over at him and he just shoots me a look like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, oh man, I, I don't know. <laughs> and we just cracked a smile and uh, yeah, we went out, we were like five, two or something. We won third in the round, we hit the board and, and, and yeah, we're riding out of the arena and, and, and kind of good job, good job. And I'm like, he's like, you, uh, you got some buddies up here. I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, holy shit. I've roped here fucking 10 times. I've never heard anyone screaming that loud. That, well, got a, that did it was catalyst eh? catalyst we we we, we always load after that we always seem to have a good time because there was remember the night i think it was um was the bar called knoxville and they had like a one of their water pipes yeah. burst remember that <laughs> yeah and like everybody's yeah, it, was walk, a, it was like it was like a bathtub party everybody's walking around ankle deep one zero fucks given right everybody's just walking around getting losered in this bar and Corb, I remember Corb Lund was there. Corb Lund. <laughs> and he was just goobered too. The guy couldn't even stand up. It was great to see. But we were walking home that night. Henry and I were walking home and we had a young lady with us. And uh, we actually got into an altercation on the street. Like we were walking by and this guy said something to the young lady we were with. And uh, we kind of chirped him back and we kept walking. And he followed us. And he got like right up in our face and i just remember the guy was banging a dart back and henry turns around and pushes him it's just get the fuck out of my face you cigarette smoking son of a bitch and it was like minus 35 outside too it was freezing cold but oh yeah, yeah we just always. went back to there's nothing nothing really trans 
transgressed out of that. We got back to the hotel safe and sound, but always into something. Oh yeah. Well, I remember that night. Yeah. You guys see Corb Lennon. He just whacked out of the bejesus. Like he's finally on the same level. If he was ever going to have an intelligent conversation with Matt Henry, that was it. And uh, <laughs> tough to have a really exciting night in the room when, when, uh, when the fine young lady comes out of the bathroom and you and Henry are running around in your underwear with both beds pushed together, I don't know what person on earth wouldn't be freaked the hell out. I, I remember that. Yeah. She went into the bathroom and she comes out and yeah, Henry and I are standing there in our gitch and we had, we did, we had shoved the beds together and she just looks and, and we're all just loser pissed too. And she's like, what? And we're like, well, I didn't want anybody to be lonely. So we just pushed the beds together here. The rest is history. The rest is history, so to speak. Oh, uh, classic. Yeah, good, those good were times, the years. Though. Those were some fun times. So. For sure. So some of your, like I said, you've you've almost had as many roping partners as you've participated in rodeos. Like you're a bit of a yeah. fucking partner slut. Oh, yeah. Who's the most, who's the partner that you've had the most fun with on the road? Hands down, uh, uh, Clark McCarroll. Hands down. Him and uh, the, the guy I won Canada with, Tyrell Fwelling. Uh, between the two of them, I got more stories than Walt Disney about doing dumb shit out on the trail. So, I mean, I met, I met most of your partners. Um, I have no problem saying Clark McCarroll was my favorite partner of yours. And yeah. one thing I noticed about you Cowboys is, and it kind of runs in our group of friends too, is like, you got to have some pretty fucking thick skin. Like you, there's a lot oh, yeah. of daggers getting tossed around, right? Back to the high river cabaret. I'll oh, never forget. Is, yeah. I'll never forget. You and a young lady had been uh, seeing each other for a while, and you decided, yeah. and and very gentlemanly, might I add, you had decided that you didn't you didn't want to see her anymore. He had a hard time understanding that, and she couldn't figure out why. And you basically had to ghost her. You ghosted her, but Man, that was like, that was the measures yeah. that was the measures you had to take, right? And I, it's, it's yeah, hey, and, understandable. And, yeah. and I just remember standing there at the cabaret with our circle of friends and she goes walking by and, you know, she goes walking by again and it's clear she's trying to get your attention. Right. And you're just not, you're not having any of it. You're just, nope. Well, doesn't Clark, the shark McCarroll disappear. And we just continue on. We were all probably just making fun of somebody out on the dance floor or something. And we look over and here's Clark and he's got this girl and he's this girl that was, you know, still in love with you, so to speak. And he's just talking her up and we're like, what is he doing? What is going on? And Clark had gone oh, over and he's telling this girl, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rolly, Rolly still loves you. He's just lost right now. He's, he doesn't know, like he's just in, he's in a weird place. He does. He still loves you, but he doesn't, he doesn't know how to tell you. And he just, he doesn't know who he is or what he wants. He's just having a time. Just yeah, yeah. filling this girl's head with bullshit. I felt so bad for oh, her, yeah. sort of, kind of, not really. Oh, but for she, her, for her. Yeah, I felt bad for her, but Jesus Christ, did we get a good laugh out of that. Oh, yeah, he's just like, well, you know, he's got a haunted past, you know, and he's just not <laughs> ready to commit. And Yeah, I'm like, it's High River Cab. It's my hometown show, and I don't, like, kind of had tried to, you know cut the string off there that one and uh old clark he was ready to just sandbag the shit out of me and just over there with his arm i mean at one point we look over and i'm going to you like what in the fuck is he doing he's trying to ruin my night he's got his <laughs> arm around her and she's crying <laughs> like oh fuck i mean you laugh about it now but he would do shit like that he would torment me all the time he's he was a classic for shit like that did you ever get one over on him like did you ever get him back in any way shape or form i could you could never get that guy like he he was too street smart he was i was he's a few years older than me had a couple more years on the trail than i did and i could never get him back i remember a similar thing happened again in pinoca and he like saw the girl the next day and like flagged her over and just like oh just chatting her up like they're old chums and i'm like you motherfucker like <laughs> why do you gotta be like this anything to make me uncomfortable but I mean, you know what? You gotta, you gotta have, you, you gotta have thick skin. But at the end of the day, it's all in good fun. It's it's just to entertain you guys. Like, you, what are you supposed to do for fourteen, nine, eight hours in a truck with each other? You gotta, you gotta throw some yeah. daggers around to to learn a little bit of trust, right? 
Well, it's just like, you know, the hot, like to preface it, like when you make the CFR and you put your CFR jacket on, like oh, oh, yeah. it changes the game. It changes the game, man. Changes the game. Like it'd be like when you're out in Ontario and if you play in the OHL, it just it, a game changer, right? Like you're a big swinging dick. Oh yeah. It just, it, so that completely changes it. So when, you know, the, to the hockey mentality, like what's the best part about being on a team with the fellas going out, getting banged up and doing something stupid and somebody doing something absolutely ridiculous. And you can't wait to get back to the locker room the next day and, <laughs> and have the boys tell the story of, and talk about it. Right. Well, that was the truck. That was the pickup. Like you get the truck and like, all right, let's talk about it. Like what happened? Right. And that, and then you get to the rodeo and you get, get over here. You got to hear what this guy did last night. Right. Oh, like that's what you live for is the stories with the guys and sandbagging each other and all sorts of shit like that. Well, you mentioned the CFR jackets and how, you know, in Alberta, say at Ranchman's, especially wearing your CFR jacket is like walking around, you know, with the Oshawa generals or a Peterborough beats jacket on it. There's a reason Henry and I used to wear your CFR jackets to Ranchman's. There's, there's clearly a reason. Oh yeah. I never forget that. Like, so Ranchman's is like, I'm sure even everyone out in Ontario has heard of Ranchman's. Like it's the ultimate cowboy bar in Calgary and and I'd made CFR a few times and, and they ask you if you donate a saddle and then you get a bunch of free, you get a free bar tab every night you're in there. So we used to go there religiously, the three of us idiots and our good <laughs> buddy Colton Brown was always around for the ride and whoever else would come with us. Colton was probably the, uh, the straightest arrow out of all of us, the poor bastard. Some of the oh, shit yeah. he saw but and we, got dragged into. Oh, yeah. He couldn't help it. He had to get in on it. Right. He, he, we, we, we skewed him good. He was a good guy before we got him going on down a dark path. But I remember being in the ranchman's and it's like 20 degrees in there on a hopping night. This, oh, it's so fucking hot in there. And I'll be in, like, you're in there in a t-shirt and you're sweating. And here's Henry and Cox walking around the bar with these heavy leather CFR jackets on with the collars popped, just walking around. <laughs> Just like their John Travolta Saturday Night Fever. Just, I mean, it was some of the funniest shit I ever seen in my life. And like buddies of mine, before they knew you guys, they'd be like, who are these guys? I'd be like, those are my boys. And they were like, they are fucking beauties. You guys almost had a bit, you still have a bit of legend about yourself. Like, guys are like, hey, you're, where's your buddies? Are they coming out tonight? Are they going to be around? <laughs> We'd always get up to something stupid, right? Yeah, that was uh, those. I remember to, I remember the one night I had it on, had one of your jackets on and I was talking to this girl and uh, she starts quizzing me. And like, l- long story short, a guy that she'd grown up with her next door neighbor, I can't remember his name. I can remember it, but I can't pronounce it. So I'm just going to pretend I can't remember it. He was a bull rider on the circuit. So she, like, she knew a lot about rodeo. She didn't rodeo herself, but she starts quizzing me and like five questions in, she's like, yeah, you don't rodeo. I'm like, I fucking do. So what does my jacket say? And she's like, no, you don't. And then she just, she just straight called me out for it. Called me a liar. I ended up dating her for a bit anyways, but I mean, it was, (laughs) sometimes you could pull it off. Sometimes you just meet it. It's, it's like when you play men's league and you fuck with the wrong guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. She she fucking called me right out for it. I couldn't believe it, but ah, whatever. It's all, it's all in the name of fun. eh? What an icebreaker either way though. I mean, the end result ended up the same. Who gives a fuck how you got there? So, well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So no, the, the CFR jackets were great. I actually, I think I tried to bring one home to Ontario with me. Should have sent you with one just to it, see what you could get up to. It wouldn't have had the same effect here in Ontario, a CFR jacket. Cause I do remember a night, I think the bar was called Oasis, the rooftop patio on top of Gretzky's bar and grill. And you and the boys were in town for the Jays playoff game. And oh, you had yeah, your belt buckle year. on. You had your belt buckle yeah. on. And I was there and with my boys from Ontario and I was pumping your tires pretty hard. And you were, you'd, you'd had a cup, a little bit to drink. And you pull your belt off. A little, wearing, a little bit, a lot. <laughs> you're wearing it around the bar on your shoulder. Like you're fucking Ric Flair, somebody. And no, like, no, everyone's just like, what is this guy doing? Like, fuck, I'm like, who is this guy? And finally, my buddy Crothers is like, 
Put that thing away. Like, this is Ontario. <laughs> Nobody has any idea what that bell buckle means. That you just thought, oh, you thought you're fucking sweet, but it just it doesn't have the same effect in Ontario. It's it is what it is, right? Oh, it doesn't. I was crushed at the Jays game all day, fucking drink drinking tall boys on the first baseline. I didn't know what fucking planet I was on. Remember that the only thing I remember is walking up the stairs with my belt buckle over my shoulder. Yeah, like I'm Ric Flair. And us walking by Shane O'Brien and Joffrey Lupul and, and us chirping Lupul for wearing a wearing a fucking Jason Grilly jersey or something like, like <laughs> I'm sweeter than they are. Right? Like you fucking losers, get out of here. One thing I remember you and I had a conversation about one time and an actual cowboy who's out, you know, riding the fences, sleeping in the pastures. I mean, those guys do still exist, you know, out in the foothills and stuff. But you go to the Calgary Stampede. Like we used to go with you, okay, who is a legit, in my mind, you're a legit cowboy, okay? But you would go to the Stampede and you'd have, you know, a Hurley t-shirt and some sneakers on and like fucking Volcom hat or something. Do you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't, (laughs) you'd see you and you would be like, well, you wouldn't know you were a cowboy. And then you're at the Stampede and you see all these other losers like me who is not a cowboy, but I'm dressed to the nines. I got the plaid shirt, you know, the belt, the boots. Got your everything. Jack like, Daniels shirt on. My, my Jack Daniels on a bull riding tour shirt on and my my penny loafers <laughs> because they look like cowboy boots, right? What do you, rodeo, what do you rodeo cowboys think when you see, because the real cowboys don't dress like cowboys. Yeah, I just think it's different, right? Like that's kind of, the stampede's different. But uh, yeah, like I'd just put a pair of jeans on, maybe my cowboy boots, a, a shirt, right, and probably a ball cap. Like it's it's who you are, and uh, and uh, definitely I've grown up in that, right. But I I don't I can't really I was thinking about that one. I can't really explain it to you. Like I don't know, it'd be like a hockey player wearing a three piece suit to the bar, like you know, like just to show that he had the dough played in the NHL. Like I I don't really know if there's a good analogy, but. You want to fly under the radar a bit, right? At those events, because it was fun for me just to just to just to slide into the to the group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially a place big like Calgary. Yeah, even when we went to Ranchman's, I never really. I so. think I can think of once you had been in that rodeo that there's that that new rodeo center on the Stampede grounds. Yeah, the Cinch Tour Finals in the fall. Yeah, we went to Ranchman's every night. After ra- the and turf. yeah, and I think you, but you, you literally unsaddled your horse put it in the trailer i think your parents took it home for you and we went to ranchman right to the bar i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure and because you had your cfr jacket on there was no line or no cover that was perfect i always used to love the picture of jim randall right on the wall bang (laughs) when you walked when you walked into ranchman's it was that was great that was great like those are the nights when the rodeo is in town Right. Cause everybody goes to those bars and everyone goes to the stampede to dress up like a cowboy, right? Like it's cowboy, you know, it's kind of your one time a year, you pull the shit kickers out of the closet, right. And you dress up like a cowboy. Well, that, so it's almost like it creates more attention to you in a negative way at the bar, especially like when, you know, when you, we were hanging out and I had all these sponsor shirts up name on my shirt like I'm drawing attention to myself in a bad way it's almost better if like because you do have a bit of notoriety in places like that so if you're not at a rodeo cabaret it's like I don't really need anybody knowing how much I'm in here <laughs> like, <laughs> point me like oh yeah we saw him in there last weekend him and his buddies rocking around like a bunch of fucking idiots so <laughs> it's kind of nice to just just blend in and you know if you really need to you know pull pull a trump card you know you just you, you just drop your name i don't worry i got a tab here babe i'll get you a drink what do you want you want water you want a water okay good perfect. <laughs> i got bad news there's no water no um, water it's just straight vodka here just straight vodka now did you have did you have a was your cf no you you said your cfr saddles in your house but did you have yep. a saddle at ranchman's yep i had one hanging up in the rafters just one i had one uh quite a year quite a few years ago to rodeo and did you get it back when they closed ranchman's down i did i did they got a hold of me and and i and i had to go pick it up a little um i mean i don't live out there anymore but a little bit of a little piece of me died when i heard they were closing ranchments that's for sure it's a tough one didn't even get to send her off with one last good blackout drunk she yeah. was just over we're uh we're gonna have to have you back for sure until get maybe get uh, matt henry and colton brown on the podcast here and 
you know, just talk about ranchmans and the legend that was a lot of good times. There's more, more good stories about that and more good stories about when we coached together, <laughs> geriatric stuff we'd get up to. Oh yeah. We happened. could, uh, we could, we could go on for days for sure. But uh, listen, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for uh, talking rodeo, talking cowboy, talking Western Canadian culture on the Cox talks podcast. And like I said, we're going to get you back. If you know, if, if you're willing to come back and uh, again, thanks. Thanks very much, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And I, I wish you all the success in this. It's uh, I wish we'd have started this eight years ago when we first started talking about it. Cause I think uh, you're going to do good. And I got to come back because you got away from this one pretty unscathed, but I know the people and your, your calls, your friends over there. I haven't met many of them, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, that's a dark, time in henry and i's life we call it the, the black cloud when you were in alberta things just seem to have really straightened out for everybody since you left funny how that works eh funny how that works well again hey man thanks yeah. thanks for the kind words thanks for coming on and uh, we'll catch up with you later so there you have it folks rodeo cowboy extraordinaire roly mcfadden hey i hope you enjoyed the interview roly and i had a good time doing it we don't uh we don't get caught up as often as we'd like to anymore but when we do it's like we've never skipped the beat so uh, I'm sure everybody can relate. They got somebody like that in their life. That's kind of gay that I just said that. But you know what? It's true. Fuck it. It is what it is. So listen, uh, that's been another episode of the Cox Talks podcast here. And uh, again, don't forget, like and subscribe on whichever platform you may listen to. And don't forget, tell your fucking friends. Tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast. And uh, we'll see if we can keep this train rolling. So once again, thanks for listening. I'm Trevor Cox. That's the pod.